1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. On Sunday in the game between the Bills and the Eagles, Jordan Phillips in anticipation of the brotherly shove did some unbrotherly shoving of his own if you're going to go offside you may as well make it count here's Jason Kelsey in his appearance on WIP radio in Philadelphia with his thoughts on the hit that was applied to Cam Jurgens by Jordan
2: Phillips teams are really you know trying to stop that play they talk about it all week I'm sure they labeled as some type of like level of toughness to stop the play I thought it was bullshitting the time I really did and I I said so to the official on the field I said listen I've been running that play along a lot of years um I have seen people jump off sides he made zero effort to stop after yeah. he jumped off sides absolutely he purposely he purposely tried to hurt Cam Juergens I thought it, I thought it should have been a personal foul and I think he should be fine for that play. now I'm not going to comment on the rest of the game there were things happening with the fans I don't know what happened that got him that fired up but I thought that play in particular was absolutely a disgrace that the NFL should not allow. I really yeah. do. And I don't know Jordan Phillips. He might be the best guy in the world. But that, in my opinion, the NFL needs to do something about him because yeah. that shouldn't be allowed in this game. Yep. At this level, I thought, the, and I thought the officials did not do a good job officiating that play. I agree. I really didn't. That's I think a that, that was so clearly not a offside. That was a personal foul. Yeah. And it should have been stipulated right from that moment. And because they didn't call that, you saw things happen throughout the rest of the game. Look, on the surface, and if we look at
1: that moment in isolation, I can agree with Jason Kelsey completely. But we have to broaden the lens a little bit here and consider the context as you're girding for this play where you either get steamrolled or you do the steamrolling. And this is the play that's been so discussed and debated and analyzed. And how do you stop it? And Chris, I think you and I agree completely. This idea of trying to jump over the top is a waste of time. We saw the Chiefs try to jump over the top. You just jump over the top and they cram right through and take your legs out. Jumping over the top isn't going to stop it. The only way you're going to meet that brute force violence that the Eagles inflict on the defense when they shove the pile forward is with brute force violence. Violence. So I can't read Jordan Phillips mind in that moment and discern whether he's thinking this is a free shot to put this guy on his ass and maybe injure him or I'm in the mindset I have to be in to properly match this play because I either do it to him or he's going to do it to me. And we're sick of getting pushed around by this thing. We're going to be the ones to prove this is how you stop it. And I'm going to shove as hard as I can. I don't think you can flip that switch off when you just happen to inadvertently be offside at the outset of the play. If you guess the snap count wrong or whatever. So, but for the fact that this play has become notorious and teams are desperate to come up with a way to stop it. And this is one way to maybe stop it. Just Push harder in reverse. That's why I think Jason Kelsey's out of bounds here. He's ignoring the fact that they created this urgency to do exactly what Jordan Phillips did.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, you hit on it, right? Jason Kelsey hit on it. One, it's it's become a a point of machoism with the Eagles. And then, yes, of course, with defenses. And it's not something you can practice, right? You're not going to practice that. So it just gets talked about all week, and they might practice lining up and how they want to do it, but they're not going to do a live rep of doing it. But they're also being revved up all week by their coaches and TV and media and watching it on film going, damn, right? We're going to be the team that stops it, right? Now, I think I think Jason Kelsey's being way too harsh here, way too harsh, like incredibly too harsh. Trying to take money away from a guy, right? First off, that that's just that's kind of a low blow in itself. Second off, Jordan Phillips is 6'6, 345 pounds. Once he takes a step, he's going. And it's a play as to your explaining where you have to get really low, like he's doing, and once he takes one or two steps. It's over. I mean, he can't stop. He's going to fall over. As you see, show those clips again. He takes one or two steps. He's so low that now he's just falling down. It's too late at that moment. Is he driving his leg? Sure. You know, has I've ever heard of anybody trying to hurt the guard by doing that ever in the history of football? No, it's never happened ever. So that's where I don't, I don't buy that. And I, I think Jason or Jason Kelsey's taken it a little too far and a little too personal here. I know the game was chippy and I'm sure some things happened there. I don't think this was any intended, oh, I'm trying to hurt somebody here on this moment. It's trying to time the snap count out. There's three other guy, two other guys on the ground for Buffalo, too, who are diving low. They're all trying to time it and make a mosh pit of it, and they're big people, and it's one where you have to go low, and you know you're not going to have any balance because you're shooting low because the Eagles' offensive linemen are shooting at your ankles and knees. So, you know, again— It's a tough play. You don't like to see it. But I don't think Jordan Phillips is doing this with intent to hurt Juergens or anybody else on the football team. It's more about the play, the stop, the hype around it, and then that he's a giant human being where once he takes one or two steps and gets off the ball that explosive, he ain't stopping in one or two steps. That's just not going to happen.
1: Well, and again, the Eagles have created the attitude that Jordan Phillips was displaying. They dare you to match us they're like the old bully that would show up and I don't know if this is where the phrase chip on your shoulder came from but you know this is like the old school black and white movies hey I, I dare you to knock that off my shoulder and like you know the implication being if you do I'm going to kick the crap out of you well they finally found somebody that knocked it off their shoulder and also knocked them on their ass they've brought this mindset to the football field they can't complain about what happens when that mindset gets used against them That's the problem here. They're trying to have it both ways. I got no problem with the play. I've come to like it. It's like hearing a catchphrase on a TV show when they line up and do it. And I'm fascinated by what may happen in the future. Will other teams get the centers necessary? Like you said, they've got three centers across the board, not a center and two guards, but three centers who can get low and do it and a quarterback that can do it. And how can you come up with a defense to stop it? Well, the bills are experimenting with it and they were, they were ready to push back. So don't whine about the fact that they pushed back. You created this by taking full advantage of the rule that allows people to be pushed from behind, period. Yeah. On that note, the yeah. 49ers are going to be trying to stop it this weekend. Here's Kyle Shanahan on defending the brotherly shove. Do you practice uh, defending the, the
0: just-pushed by Obviously, you can't do the physical. We're going to do like 10 live reps of it today. And I'll see if we have anybody left after it. Um, no, you don't practice it. How
3: do you prepare to, to deal with that? It's such a big part of their...
0: You, just, you coach it up, tell them where we want guys and stuff, and I'm um, not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we're going to talk about it, show it, and do as good as we can.
1: See, that's the problem. You can't practice it. The Eagles have perfected it in game situations because they do it all the time. It's almost like when... Remember when Peyton Manning didn't do well against a 3-4 defense? Because he never saw a 3-4 defense. The 3-4 defense is a 3-4 defense all the time. They're able to do their 3-4 thing. Was it? Am I remembering that properly? Yeah. There I, was a time where he was completely bedeviled by a 3-4 defense because he never saw a 3-4 defense. I don't know. I if mean, it if, it if was, you're the defense, you yeah,
3: – Yeah, I don't know if it, was I thought Peyton, it was Peyton, Peyton, but there might have been somebody else. Yeah, I, I think it was somebody else. Yeah. I don't know. remember Peyton being bedeviled by anything, so that's why I'm like, I'm not sure if I remember that. Right. But – but the defenses never
1: face this. The Eagles don't have to practice it. They, they get live reps every week. They don't need to practice it. And so here you are. You've never practiced it. You've never seen it in a game. And you've got to figure out what you're going to do. And I, I'm, look, I, I think that it's the context that makes what Jordan Phillips did understandable. And whatever that wall of large bodies for the 49ers, when you go and and that i uh, talk about irresistible force meeting immovable object you think the 49ers aren't going to be ready for this you think that the, the eagles are relishing what they're going to be trying to brotherly shove their way into if they do it against the 49ers and whether jordan phillips meant to do it or not
3: cam jurgens has a little something to think about after getting put on his ass last week yeah he does it, you know this is as we talked about you know a few minutes ago when we were talking about the Cowboys, you know, the Eagles and the 49ers, it's it's Big Mofo versus Big Mofo on both sides of the ball all game long. And like you said, they're both kind of used to being the bullies. It's rare that either one of these teams gets pushed around. So, that's where – and then we know the 49ers, I mean, they've been talking and chirping all week. They're not scared of anything, as we've talked about. That's what makes them fun to watch. They run through the wall. Sure, coach, I'm running through the wall. Go ahead. They don't think twice. So, yeah, there's going to be something to it, and I think – You know, with the 49ers, they got an aggressive defensive front already. They got the kind of big people in the middle there that you feel like, ooh, maybe they could be one of the teams that slows this up a little bit. They got two linebackers that, you know, might be able to be explosive enough to actually dive over the pile under, you know, over the top of some of their big guys and make it interesting. Also, too, Mike, you know – what what do you got to lose in that moment right now with the inevitable they're going to get two or three yards on the tush push, so let's try to, you know, time the snap count out, be a little aggressive. So what if we get a five-yard penalty? You know, they're about to get two or three yards on the tush push, so let's see if we can't jump the snap count and make it interesting. I think there's a lot of things that come into play here. The big thing is you want to keep Philly out of anything more than two yards. You know, when you can keep them out of that, you know, fourth and two or third and two and make it more than that, then they're unable to do it. And we'll see if the 49ers can accomplish that on Sunday.
1: Hey, and and that's why I've been saying all along that the biggest advantage for the Eagles is it shrinks the sticks. Everybody else has 10 yards, they've got eight, eight and a half, nine yards. Because once you get in that zone, all you got to do is activate the brotherly shove, and you get your first down, or you get close to the end zone, and you get your touchdown. But the 49ers may give them more of a test than they've ever faced. By the way, multitasking during your last answer. Let me just say one thing. Right. The the Peyton Manning three four defense thing was real. It was, that was real? an issue. Yeah. That was an issue. Yes. Yeah. So I was this is, was, if I'm losing my mind, this is not evidence. No, on. no. What
3: was it? Like the Steelers playoff game, some of those, is that what they're referring to? It was
1: it was mainly a playoff thing and it's right. Belichick. Yeah. I mean if it's Bel- the Patriots. Yeah. Patriots confounded right. with the three yeah. four in the postseason. Less
3: teams were running three four then and three four, yeah, gave you more ways to pressure and move fronts around and it was you know, not a lot of teams were doing it. It's more of a thing now, but yet, of course, now the game's based at a nickel. Here's another, just like food for thought, unintended consequence of the tush push. It kind of arised a few weeks ago. I think it was the Dallas game. But this is where I think the NFL is going to have to change their rules on spotting or moving the ball on fourth down right? There was a play a few weeks ago in the Dallas Cowboys game where there was a bad spot on the ball. It should have been like fourth and three and a half, but instead they spotted the ball wrong and made it fourth and one. And you can't challenge that really. You're going to, you don't win the challenge no matter what, because it doesn't change the down, right? And a fourth down tight, you don't move the sticks. So it's, it's, it's one that, yeah, the spotting of the ball, you lose the challenge, but it's a big thing when you play a team like the Philadelphia Eagles. I hope I'm explaining that right. To keep them out of that yes. situation, I would want to go, wait, it's about to be fourth and one. Wait, I think his knee was down. It's fourth and three and a half. I want to challenge that. But you lose the challenge when you do stuff like that. You know, that's, that's the problem there. There's nothing to be gained. In fact, I don't even know. Yeah. So that, that's where something I think the NFL might have to remedy as they go on.
1: It's a good point. I mean, if the Eagles, as a practical matter, have shorter sticks than everyone else and they're getting the ball into that zone where it's just press the tush-push brotherly yeah. shove button right. and you get your first down, you want to be able to keep it out of that zone exactly. if you can. Right. Not the easiest thing to do, especially if they're having bad spots. Pete makes a good point here about when they get near the goal line and if you are offside, yeah. it's half the distance. It's still the same play. Yeah. Our team's now going to be more inclined to deliberately go offside and put Cam Jurgens on his ass, put Jason Kelsey on his ass, put everyone across the board, just send them all. Have, Have people flying early. over the top just to you mess know? them up.
3: Right. Have just people flying ahead over and the do top. A live. Yeah. 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 I, I Because I, what's the downside? Right. They've moved the ball that far. Exactly. The risk reward is worth it than that department right there. And uh, you know, that's what I was saying where I know I took a lot of flack from You know the Philly fans. I wasn't. I'm just talking football. I'm not trying to make it personal to them. Listen, I'm one that thinks this play should be allowed and allowed as long as you can't change the rule because one team is awesome at it and the rest of football is not. You know. But but yeah, my point is that yeah, I think you're getting to a team, a team and a time of the year where teams are desperate and you're playing the 49ers who play that way anyways, where you they might take some overly aggressive chances to stop that type of play. And that's, of course, going to be taking some chances and diving and putting their bodies in position to where they can hit Jalen Hurts.
1: And this is the nuance that I think it's important everybody understands here. We're not saying, go do this. We're not saying, you should do this. You should take advantage of the free cheap shot when it's fourth and goal from the two-inch line. All you're giving up is one inch of real estate. So go hit Cam Jurgens, Go hit Jason Kelsey. Go jump over the top and take a free shot at Jalen Hurts. We're not saying they should do that. We're saying that's just the that reality they could of do it. that. Yeah, it's the reality and of the what, situation. And what Jordan Phillips did may have kind of accidentally unlocked because we all heard the way Greg Williams was talking before that playoff game, Saints 49ers. 2011 early 2012 that ridiculous cartoonish over-the-top stuff after the Bounty Gate postseason run we know that that element is still kind of out there it may not be to the same degree that it was I think the players feel a greater responsibility to take care of each other than they used to because of the enhanced sensitivity to health and safety but but this play and the way the Eagles do it, here comes the bully. The bullies of broad street. Here they are. I dare you to knock this, this chip off my shoulder. Somebody's going to do it. And they're they're asking for it. And again, I don't mean it to say someone should do it. We're reacting to what they've created. They've created this old school, we will kick your ass play and you can't stop us. They can't be surprised if somebody decides to come up with some way to give them a taste of their own medicine. You can't have it both ways here. You can't have a play that is premised upon brute physical violence and get upset when somebody says, "Hmm, you know what? Maybe a way to defend against this play that is founded upon brute physical violence is to use brute physical violence. Yeah and we're not saying anyone should we're just saying you know you're always thinking about how the game's going to evolve and how it's going to change right right and and really what are they going to do i mean take the point that jason kelsey was making about jordan phillips what are they going to do if the entire defense leaves a half second early and just flattens the front line of the philadelphia eagles what are they going to do they're going to call unnecessary roughness on all of them and even if they do, Chris, even if they would call unnecessary roughness in that spot, it's still half the distance to the goal. Yeah, down so, there, you're right. You're we're, right. We're, not, we're not saying anyone should. We're just being realistic. As they dare defenses to stop them, somebody's going to take them up on it at some point. And what Jordan Phillips did may have been the first step toward defenses taking them up on the brazen
3: invitation to to try and stop us. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. And as you know, you get towards the end of the year here and you're playing better teams and desperation and playoff football. You know, I think you're going to have teams toy and toy with more ideas to, to try to figure that out. So we'll see where it goes, but it is definitely one of the good aspects of this game. I mean between Debo Samuel and what he's saying and Hassan Reddick, and them going back and forth and AJ Brown telling you know the Eagles fans to troll Debo Samuel on social media and all that stuff it's great. it really is. I think there's a a a little bit of a old school personal you know, touch to this game right here that we don't see a whole lot uh, you know, in this day and age in football now with salary cap, free agency, and teams moving uh, all over the place. I, I feel like this one is, is personal, and it's been circled on the calendar by both teams all offseason, and we're finally going to get to see it, and it's going to be Clash of the Titans there.
1: And, 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 Chris, that just underscores the point we've just been discussing. The 49ers, of all the teams out there on the Eagles' schedule, the 49ers are the most likely to say we are gonna throw everything we can at this brotherly shove and try to shove it up your butt. They're the team most likely to do it. Because again, and I because I'm concerned that you know somebody's gonna find a way to take a, a one-minute clip of what we've been discussing and, and try to drag us yeah, forward. Yeah, that's
3: usually what happens.
1: We're not saying we're not saying anyone should. We're just being realistic about what could happen, sparked by Jordan Phillips offside and Jason Kelsey's arguably hypocritical response to it because they've created the atmosphere that results in the possibility of someone pushing back the way that they push everyone in a very violent, aggressive, brute force way. That's all we're saying. Okay. through all that, the 49ers are favored to win this game. And I don't think anybody's surprised by that. The 49ers, when they're healthy, are the best team in football. Yeah, they're favored by two and a half points. Not a surprise is a surprise to Kyle Shanahan. Here he is from yesterday when he was asked whether he's bothered by the fact that the 49ers are favored on the road to beat the Eagles.
0: Uh, do you at all that you guys are the favorites going into this game. They're the home team. They, they've lost one game, but you're the favorites. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I don't really know how that stuff works, so um, I don't really know why. But it is random.
1: Well, I mean, it's not random. Here's how it works generally. The sports books want to have equal money on each team, so they make the VIG the 10% that the winning side pays. You bet 11 to win 10. That's how they make their money. And if you hit it just right where it's – and I'm just using round numbers for ease of right. conversation. $100 on the 49ers, $100 on the Eagles, the sports book doesn't take a bath. And I think every once in a while – Maybe the bookies get a little tempted to push it one way or the other to to invite more action on one side because they think, you know, they're they're gamblers, too. I mean, hey, it's it's no fun if all you're trying to do is rig it. So it's equal betting every once in a while. I think the sportsbook operators think, hey, we can play this a little bit and make some extra money here. But that's the reality. People generally view the 49ers as better than the Eagles. When they're healthy, they're better than the Eagles. So it doesn't surprise me to get equal betting on each side. You got to make the 49ers a slight favorite in this one. And if they were
3: playing in San Francisco, the 49ers would be favored probably by four or five points. I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by it. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. I mean, I, I didn't expect to open it up and look at the, the 49ers favored by two and a half. You know, like we've talked about, I, I'm with you and, and your thought. Right of that. Yes. When they're at their best, they're they're the best team in football. hundred percent. I'm there with you. But at the same time, you know, when they're not at their absolute best, they lost three games and the Eagles don't lose games and find a way to win. And they were in the Super Bowl last year. And that was kind of a monumental upset last year that they lost the Super Bowl to the Kansas City Chiefs and they're at home. So that's where I guess I'm a little surprised. Like I, I you know, I, I didn't expect to see that. And I think like, you know, Shanahan probably saying that one. Yes, he, he he wants to. He would probably like to feed to his team that they're the underdogs. And now that's kind of taken away. Two. I think in football world, you know, people. You know how football people operate. They kind of just look at it and go, wait, that team went to the Super Bowl. That team's got the best record in football. We're favored, that doesn't seem right. You know, I think that's base level football thoughts, kind of how I think a little bit. You know, it's just like, hey, they've proved it, they've done it, but, you know, like you said, the sports books obviously see it a different way and have a different formula and take some of the things you're talking about into account. Uh, but that, I think, does it, that to me adds to the personal part of this whole thing too, where the 49ers might have a chip on their shoulder about last year and they should have been in the Super Bowl and all that. This gives the Eagles a little chip on the shoulder. to be like, what the, what? We we beat them in the NFC championship game. I know the quarterback got hurt. We went to the Super Bowl and we're two and a half dogs at home, right? That's where I think it's going to add a little chippiness to the Eagles side of this thing. And, and, and Sirianni will be able to feed that to his team.
1: There's one other wrinkle that I think I may have mentioned earlier in the week that could be a factor in this game. The 49ers played last Thursday night, yeah. and they didn't have a very difficult game no. against the Seahawks. The Eagles Two fight, tough scratch, and claw deep into overtime. Yeah, on a short week after fight, scratch, and claw to beat the Chiefs, Right, they go home, they do this Bills game, 37-34, It went down to what? Just a couple of minutes left in overtime. I'm going to say it was two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes. Yeah. Two minutes. left. right. Yeah. And, and so I think that creates an overall burden physically, mentally, emotionally on the Eagles. It's going to, it's going to be a challenge to get back to full speed, full strength, ready to go when you're facing a team that is as good as the 49ers. That's valid for me. I, I, and, and you, and you make a great point. Nick Sirianni, has an extra tool in the toolkit this week to get his guys fired up. Nobody respects us. Nobody believes right. in us. They Nobody said they should win the if Brock
3: Purdy wasn't playing. They would have won and gone to the Super Bowl. They're still talking this year. That's where, you know, this has got a game that's all over it. It's going to have a pregame fight right, and scuffles throughout the football game. Guaranteed. I just, the the way both, Sirianni and Shanahan both embrace the renegade attitude of their football team. We know that. Right. And Sirianni, he's emotional enough to sometimes he wants to look like he wants to get out there and fight with them. Right. You know, Shanahan's a little different on the sidelines, but he's probably quietly, you know, mother effing his guys and tell him to be tougher and do all that. And that's where it's great. And that's where I can't wait. It's it's got a lot of old school feel to it. This football game and, I, you know, four twenty five on a Sunday afternoon is going to be a lot of fun.
1: Let's take a break. When we return, we'll preview some of the other big Week 13 games with some prop bets. PFT Live returns right after this.
0: Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield,
1: Do not forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly plus all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every single day download the app and use the promo code PFTLIVE when you sign up DraftKings Sportsbook the crown is yours the prop bets are ours at least for discussion purposes we don't bet officially it's funny i still have Bengals fans When I talk about, when I write about, when I think about this Joe Burrow, what was hidden, what wasn't hidden, I don't want to take us down the rabbit hole on this, but they're like, oh, you must have lost a bet. We don't bet. We're not allowed to bet. I have no desire to bet. I don't believe I can figure out how to win. So I don't do it. I don't go there. But there are other ways you can bet, other than betting on the winner of a game or who covers the spread or who fails to Prop bets. Let's start with Broncos-Texans, both teams 6-5, and both teams trying to get into the postseason in the AFC, both teams unlikely candidates for the playoffs when the season began. C.J. Stroud's over-under for passing yards. Christopher is 263.5 yards. Stroud has gone over that in four straight games. He leads the league with 296.9 per game average this year. Are you over or under? And it's relevant because the Broncos have put the clamps on
3: quarterbacks since week 6. Yeah, week 6 was the Thursday night game with Mahomes and the Kansas City, right? And they it was 19 to 8 and yeah, he threw for 300 yards, but it was underwhelming. The other only impressive performance you see passing the ball, we know Tua did it with the 70 points and Justin Fields earlier in the year. It's all early in the year though. Right, I mean, this, this is a different Denver defense. Credit to Vance Joseph and and Sean Payton, and I, I mean, C.J. Stroud's unbelievable. I mean, what the what he did the other day—he went into I'll carry the team mode against the Jacksonville Jaguars under pressure, like throughout the football game, people not open and continue to buy time and find ways. He is a he is a budding superstar. We're watching it. I'm gonna take the under though. I am. You know, I do believe in what Denver's doing as far as their past events, and I think I look at this game and go, you know, if Houston's going to win and, and do this, I think it's a game where their rushing attack is going to move Denver and pause some, uh, cause some problems, and then maybe C.J. Stroud throws for like 240 or 245. So I, I'm, I'm kind of taking the under and looking at it from that angle.
1: Yeah, I think Damian Pierce finally healthy. Devin Singletary's been great, and we've seen that the Broncos are vulnerable Two potent running games, so yeah. run the ball, dial it in. I'm with you under for the 263.5 passing yards. Lions are at the Saints, and the Lions had an embarrassing showing on Thanksgiving. Jared Goff had three fumbles to go along with three interceptions. It's a few days earlier. The over-under on Goff interceptions in New Orleans on Sunday is .5. .5. He did have zero last week but he had three fumbles, and the Saints have 14 interceptions this year, second most in the NFL. Are you basically willing to say Jared Goff won't throw a pick this
3: weekend? No, I'm not. I'm going to say he does. Now, the thing that works in his favor is that the Saints can't get after the quarterback. They have no big-time pass rusher, right? They will have to blitz to get there and do that. Now, where I think the interception happens is the Saints, they can play some man-to-man. They can and I'm, I'm going to bet that Jared Goff throws one ball off tar- target a little bit and, and you know ball gets tipped in the air or whatever. But yeah, they, they got some young talent or some talented guys in that State secondary. Watch watch this this Paulson Adibo. You know, he was one of my favorite corners in the draft two years ago out of Stanford. He's phenomenal. He's the best corner on their football team. Even when Marshawn is healthy, the best corner on their football team is Paulson Adebo. You know, he will match up with Amon Ra Saint Brown and be on the island and do that. But I'm gonna go over here, Mike.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go over as well. All it takes is one and we see Jared Goff just you know, he's been knocked a little wobbly, and I don't know that he's going to get it back that quickly. It's going to be a slow process if it ever works at all. Colts 6-5 and five at the 4-7 and seven Titans. Zach Moss stepping in as RB1 with Jonathan Taylor out multiple weeks after thumb surgery. The over-under for Moss is 75.5 rushing yards. He has cleared 70-plus yards in four of five starts this season. Do you think they ride him sufficiently enough and can he run it well enough to get over 75.5
3: I do no Jonathan Taylor like you said the blue wall is in effect right now they're playing awesome up front the the Indianapolis Colts you've heard me say a few times over the last month right Shane Steichen other than Shanahan and maybe Mike McDaniel I think it might be the most creative run game designer in football and he's so good at everything else that even with the Titans who have a pretty good run defense right? They got. They can't just go, oh, we're going to go all in and stop the run. You know, Shane Sykin knows how to, oh, you're playing run defense. He knows how to get people open and call pass plays off of that, and Gardner Minshew, we know, is playing well, too. So, yeah, I expect the over here from Zach Moss.
1: Yeah, I do as well, and look, the Titans did get a win last weekend and ended the Carolina coaching career of Frank Reich, but I don't think the Titans are ready and able to meet a Colts team that's won three in a row and they're just quietly they're currently locked in at the seventh seed but they're just kind of quietly there and Shane Steichen as you said when do we start mentioning him as a potential coach the right year? right if he could take the Colts after losing Anthony Richardson and piecing this thing together and having all the turmoil with Jonathan Taylor and he missed the four four first games of the year because of the contract thing and the ankle thing and now the thumb thing and they if they can if they can find a way to the Playoff party in the AFC. That says a lot about Steichen as a coach and it's a bright future for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. All right. The eight and three Dolphins, after playing on Black Friday, they head to Washington. Uh, you may want to shower before you go, and you may want to wait to get home to take a shower because at FedEx Field, who knows whether or not they're going to be working. But Tyreek Hill will be working over under of 97.5 receiving yards. Every time I see these numbers from him, I'm like, do people not know how good he is? Like, how, Who's betting the under on 97.5 <laughs> against right. the commanders? Right. As they, as their defense is in shambles, and they just fired their defensive coordinator, and they're just trying to hold, hold on through the end of the season. 97.5? Is the over under watch? You'll probably have 95, but I I'm going over guys on pace for the first 2000 yard season ever for uh, receiving yards. Uh,
3: it's over. It's over. <laughs> puh, puh. It's like a, it's like you want to laugh at it. Like, of course it's over. Of course it's over. The commander's defense sucks. I mean, what is there to talk about? It stinks. It's so disappointing. You know, I, I, I yeah, I totally expect an over here. That's one of the worst pass defenses in football. They don't have the pass rush to match along with it any longer. You know, they're fighting still. I'll give them credit there. But, uh, you know, this is a different animal they're, cu- they're going to be playing with this weekend. So, yeah, I'm expecting it over here with Tyreek Hill.
1: Yeah, and I, it, I, I'm told that... The firing of Jack Del Rio was not a precursor to firing Ron Rivera. If they get embarrassed at home by the Miami Dolphins, they do go into their bye next week. It would be the ideal time to make a change if they want to pivot to Eric Biennemi for the rest of the season. I'm told that ownership believes Ron Rivera has done enough to deserve the opportunity to finish the season and have a full evaluation. Then I wrote about that last Friday or Saturday on PFT. I still think if it's ugly, if it's nasty, if it's 45 to 10 again, I think that opinions potentially change, and you really don't know that until you live through it, until you're David Tepper exiting the locker room shouting the F-word. We'll see We'll see if there's any—you know, that's now the thing to watch. That's now the clock uh, striking 12 for the coach. Any account of an owner leaving a locker room and yelling the F-word means that the coach is getting fired the next day. Yeah, I know that. So, so yeah. reporters in DC, keep an eye out for Josh Harris dropping F bombs or Magic Johnson dropping F bombs after the game on Sunday. That may mean that the next day is going to be a bad one for the head coach.
3: I feel like they're reluctant to do that and they don't want to do that. They don't want to sign Ron Rivera and it feels to me like because they they don't want to be stuck with Eric Bieniemy or be stuck in that conversation or cornered into it. That's what it feels like, right? I I you know I, so I don't really know there why why that is, right? I think I said last week I thought he would have got fired before the Thanksgiving Day game if they didn't have a Thanksgiving Day game, right? But I get the sense, too, that they want to keep their options open and they don't want to go, hey, Eric Biennium, be the head coach, and then all of a sudden it's kind of good, and then they're, oh, no, we kind of have to go to him. That's what I, I get the sense is going on in Washington that everybody knows that that's what everybody's going to be looking at. And there's going to be such pressure on that situation. If the enemy does take over and there is success and they look good that I don't think Washington wants to be cornered into, Oh no, now we have to hire him as the head coach. So we'll see where that goes. But I think that's certainly part of their process in in Washington.
1: If you're considering him as an option, there is an argument to be made that giving him an opportunity to audition for the job on the job makes sense. But There is a concern that I generally have about interim coaches. They provide enough of a spark to get a team to try to win so that the interim coach will stay because I'd rather have the guy I know than some stranger who comes in and maybe trades me or cuts me or doesn't want me or I don't fit or it's just going to be different. It's going to be a different attitude. I don't want that. I'm going to play hard the last few weeks of the season. We're going to rally around the desire to help the interim coach stay, and then we'll go back to being a mediocre team next year. That That's always a concern. So, you know, maybe that's what's motivating it. I don't know. But I'm told that they've decided that Ron Rivera deserves to get through the end of the season for a full evaluation, and then they'll figure out where they're going to go from there. But I can't imagine major changes not coming to the Washington Commanders. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, Steelers receiver Deontay Johnson had some things to say about – his standing around and watching a football bounce at his feet on Sunday. More PFT Live right after this.
2: Simsisms,
3: Pigeon-tailed. A lot of coaches aren't going to love that. He's kind of pigeon-tailed to the spread offense. So they got a lot of work there to do and that's not going to appeal to all coaches out there as far as being the head coach with the Carolina Panthers.
1: You've been doing a good job at not giving us new Simsisms, but you just gave us one in pigeonhole. <laughs> Pigeon Tail. It's Pigeon Hole. I'll take Pigeon Tail. Okay. Because <laughs> it sounds a little bit like Pin the Tail on the Donkey. I think you were confusing Pin the Tail on the Donkey with Pigeon Hole, and now comes Pigeon Tail. So, Pigeon Tail. Simsisms. <laughs> Pigeon Tail. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well go. done. You really haven't given us one in a while. Like, you had a run where. It was like you got a word of the day calendar. You were, (laughs) I mean, you were showing off for a
3: while. I I really don't intend to do it. You know, people that know me, my family, whatever, it just, I, I don't know how it's happened. I talk so much and. And I have a lot of these saying and phrases in my head, and then when it comes time live and, you know, you're thinking about a bunch of things, I combine them. I don't know what the hell I do. I I certainly don't intend to do it or not try to do it. I'm not like, oh, let me make sure I don't embarrass myself today with another Simsism. The loose barometer for me as to the fact that you've been doing well
1: lately is I don't get the emails. Yeah, right. Pointing out new ones or or old ones that they either didn't know about or they've forgotten about. So, (laughs) uh, although I do get all the time, all the time.
3: Will you please tell him it's not Bangles, It's Uh, Bangles. I I constantly get it all All the time. time. It's they're so offended by it. All the time. I know. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know where I am from Jersey. It's a hard thing. You know, I, I, you know, I, I grew up with the Bangles, here in that, that music group. And I think. You know, I've just heard people call it that way. Let alone, I grew up with a father who was from Louisville, Kentucky. He was into Cincinnati sports, and for the longest time, he argued as a kid, when I was a kid, that Cincinnati was not Cincinnati, it was cincinnati that's how he said it in Louisville, Kentucky. So that's the way it was supposed to be said. No, you're wrong. It's Cincinnati. It's Cincinnati Bengals. And I was like, what? It's Cincinnati. Look how it's spelled, Dad. So I think my dad is part reason why I'm all messed up with that that team name there. <laughs> well, on Sunday, the
1: Pittsburgh Steelers were playing in Cincinnati against the Bengals. And there was a moment where... A ball was on the ground at the feet of Deontay Johnson. One play after he had caught a touchdown pass that wasn't ruled a touchdown, he made no effort whatsoever. It's almost as if he didn't even notice the ball was there. Johnson and Mike Tomlin have both addressed this week the apparent lack of effort by the player after the fumble that he could have easily recovered. Here they are.
0: Deontay
2: can't let the emotions of the previous down affect his next down.
0: That's not me as a player. One play doesn't define me. I uh, never will. Uh, you know, I, I didn't come up playing football like that. So, obviously, it's, it looks bad on film. You know, from here on out, just going forward, you know, just be smart. Man. Just keep playing to the whistleblower. Deontay, how did your teammates respond to what you had to say? They didn't respond. They was just listening to me tell them that I owned be- up to the play.
1: He apologized to his teammates for that lack of effort. And it's beyond me, Chris, that every football player, by the time you get to that level, isn't wired to grab a ball, whenever the ball's on the ground, whatever the circumstance, if the, the, like the ball is the thing that you, that's the game. Possession of the ball is the game. Except when you're trying to avoid like touching a, a, a blocked field goal, the Leon let thing, or you're trying to get away from a punt that's bouncing around and you don't want it to touch one of the returning team's players before it touches one of the punting team's players. There are certain circumstances where you want to stay away. But in a situation like that, when you're on offense or defense, a scrimmage play, if the ball is on the ground, why are you not picking it up or diving on it?
3: Yeah, not a good look, right? And and of course Deontay Johnson has had some moments, you know, as far as the Steelers and the sideline and complaining and, you know, having little issues like that where you know, it just piles on. It's, it's, it's not good for him professionally, right? And like you said, usually NFL players are in the NFL because they're the most passionate and do all the little things and, and understand the game. That's, that's sometimes the difference between the, the college player and the guy that moves on to the NFL. And you add on top of that, like you know, I know, my mama knows, everybody knows that ain't the Steeler way. I mean, we know Mike Tomlin and that group there. It's psycho craziness, get the ball, hit people. We never give up, pedal to the metal, go forward no matter what type of attitude there in Pittsburgh. So that's where I think he probably felt the duty to speak to the team and say that. Because right now, they know they're not playing well at offense. So the one thing they can control is effort, physicality, and all that. And that's how they're winning games. So they certainly don't want that to start to spread through the team and, and, and that bad look at what Deontay Johnson did on Sunday.
1: And the irony is he might have been dejected because he believed he dropped the touchdown pass. The truth is he caught the touchdown yeah, pass. Yeah, right.
3: It should have been
1: right. a touchdown. It should have been challenged, and it was not. We discussed that yesterday, Mike Tomlin's explanation. I'm still not sure I buy it. The idea that he thinks they err on the side of calling it a score because they know it can be reviewed. If it is, I I I still think he should have thrown that red flag, and we never would have had that moment of the ball bouncing around on the ground. All right, uh, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return. One of the worst teams in football deserves a little real estate because it looks like their starting quarterback, Mac Jones, may finally be done. We'll talk some Patriots and who will be playing quarterback this weekend when PFT Live continues right
0: after this. Who's that? Jordan Love. Um, trying to remember Jordan Love. Backers, he started that game when
2: I just missed it because of COVID. Oh, yes, absolutely, yeah. No, I, um... I thought
1: he, I mean, I remember, I thought he was good. Yeah. Yeah. Andy Reed, not quite sure who Jordan Love is or was, and he's played against him. The COVID game, the COVID toe game by he who shall not be named during this broadcast. That was Jordan Love playing against the Chiefs. We had the video of it there. He's Game planned, although he's not probably heavily involved in the defense to face Jordan Love. He will face him again on Sunday Night Football on NBC and Peacock again. And it's just funny. Some of these games, when you start peeking ahead on the schedule in October, it's like, oh, God, we got that game. Yeah. And then as we get closer, it's yeah, like, hey, good. hey, you it know, good. The, right. Who, who? Yeah. The Packers are looking good. And who knows what the Chiefs are going to be doing now? They they have a good game and a bad game? Can they find their groove? Yeah, I I think this becomes a great game, and maybe... Andy Reid will know full well who Jordan Love is after this one. I I, I think well
3: you know it's not fair like right that was at what the, was that the co- owners meeting right when he did that or was that the combine League meetings yeah, yeah yeah I mean no, God the meetings seasons out of your mind you've won the Super Bowl like right? yeah I'm sure he's being asked about his own team and then they're like Jordan Love and he's trying to think about his own team probably and like what I mean you're asking me about. A quarterback on a team that's not in my division or conference, so it was a little bit, I think, of an oddball question there to throw it at a head coach. It's like, you know, so. This is a, but but the game, to your point, I do think has some excitement at Lambeau Field, right? And last week. The Detroit Packers football game, first off, we, we, we know this. The Packers have a lot of really young, talented football players. They're dangerous. And last week was the first time, and it's been going this way, where they just full-fledged ran the offense and let it go for Jordan Love. And he delivered. And they were aggressive, and it didn't feel like they held anything back or worried how he was going to look or if he was going to turn, turn the ball over. I think he's in the trust tree up there, and we know Kansas City, they're aggressive on defense and do some stuff. You better be careful against Christian Watson, Christian Watson and Jaden Reed and Romeo Dobbs and company. They got some firepower, and Jordan Love ain't afraid to, to let it loose a little bit, so that's where it could be fun on Sunday night.
1: There's a New Year's Eve game, Sunday night football, Packers-Vikings, that – for the longest time, looked like it was not going to be very good. It may be for a playoff spot yeah. by the time it's all said and right. done. Right, so that would be great. We'll see the Packers a couple more times this year on NBC, including Sunday night against the Chiefs. All right, so in New England, and this really isn't a surprise. Mac Jones, after spending two weeks of being on double secret probation or whatever it was, I still don't understand what Bill Belichick is trying to do with this cloak and dagger. Who's my starting quarterback? You know, that secrecy vibe makes sense when your team is good. When your team stinks, who cares if it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi or Malik Cunningham or Will Greer or Steve Grogan or Tony Eason? And none of them's Tom Brady, so it don't matter. just so weird to me that this continues, but the one piece of evidence that's emerged, Mac Jones yesterday at least, was not – Taking the reps, it was Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham getting the reps at practice.
3: Yeah, not surprised, right? I, I, you know, they're at the point, and we've talked about this with other the quarterbacks, where I think if you roll Mac Jones out there again, the team just goes, "What? Like, are we trying to win? What is this? It's been a disaster, and it's not all Mac Jones' fault, but you know, I think it's gotten to a point now where it's in his head, mm-hmm. and. You know, it is, be, it's, it's, it's affecting his play, his mindset, his ability to lead the football team, let alone, you know, they've chopped the leg off for, from him as well, as far as his ability to lead the team and do that for what they've done. So we'll see where it goes. I mean, Bailey Zappi, sure, they could throw him out there. He's just a a, a, a C-plus version of Mac Jones, so I don't know where that goes. Malik Cunningham, I do think at least gives him a little bit of maybe a tactical advantage of breaking out some quarterback runs and doing some things of that nature that might be a little different for a team to defend. But, yeah, it's it's shocking to see the Patriots run by Bill Belichick be in the situation they're in right now. It just does not look good.
1: And – I don't think this game he's playing is a good look for his future prospect. Agreed. I know there's going to be some owner out there that thinks all I have to do is wave the wand and throw the money, and Bill Belichick's actually going to come in and change everything. But when you hire him, you want the fan base, and you want also, and far more importantly, I think for some teams, the media covering your team to welcome this change. Right? Do you think that any press corps out there that covers one of the 32 teams is going to be happy about having to deal with this guy with this crap we're gonna have to deal with him now three four times a week says nothing gets pissy grump grumble harumph and playing these stupid head games making it harder for us to do our jobs Whoever talks about hiring this guy is going to have a pushback, I think, by their local
3: media right out of the gates. They're not going to want to deal with this. Well, I I don't disagree. I think it, it, it could be, you know, kind of down the middle type of thing where people, fans are excited because it's Bill Belichick and all the things he's done. And, of course, he's one of the greatest coaches, if not the greatest ever to, to coach in football where, yeah, you got to you know, excitement for that. But I think there's also going to be the other side of what you're talking about. The media being like, oh, okay, it's it's on to Cincinnati guy we got to deal with here and and all of that, let alone, I think you have a part of the media and fan base that's like, what are we doing getting Bill Belichick? Nothing he's done the last two and a half years has really been right. You know, it's fair to question, you know, has he lost his edge, Has he lost his ability to stay, you know, in pace with the game and the way it is right now. You know, let alone his age is a thing to go, wait, is he really going to be in this for the long haul? Or is he going to use us just for a year or two and then say, see you later? I think there's a lot of things that would, would drive any team's fan base and media to question that move right now. It's going to be a tough needle to
1: thread yeah. for him to find a place where he's going to be happy. They're going to be happy with him. The fans are going to be happy. It's going to be – it's not going to be easy. No. No. Um, I know we need to take a break, but I want to ask you one question real quickly. This was posed to me. I'll take questions on Twitter while I'm sitting on the plane waiting to take off, either to go up to New York or to come home. Right. Who's more likely to start a game next year, Mac Jones or Zach Wilson? Ooh,
3: Mac Jones. Zach Zach Wilson is going to be relegated not to a backup. He's probably going to be relegated to a third stringer. Right with a team that's already got a really good starter and got a backup that's a veteran and hey let's keep Zach Wilson because he has some talent and maybe he could be our backup you know one day and then be the guy so I think it's Mac Jones I think Mac Jones he gets relegated next year to. Yeah, I don't think a starter anywhere, but a a backup that people are going to look at and go, oh, we can make him a backup right now. He'll run the offense. That was a really messed up situation the last two years in New England. He's better than what everybody saw. He's more of what the guy we saw the rookie year that led the team to the playoffs and did that. I truly believe that. So uh, I I would say Mac Jones. Maybe
1: he'll end up in Philadelphia and be reunited with Matt Patricia. We can only hope. Let's take a break. (laughs) When we return, Week 13 Matchup Draft. PFT Live, back right after this. Hashtag TBT. Oh, not man. Not 12 right. Steve Largent. Back in the day. The Seahawks are breaking them out tonight. Even though they're on the road, these are so much better than that lime green highlighter crap that they wore last week. Wear these. How many teams have uniforms that you look at and say, the throwbacks, why don't they wear those all the time? Here's something that the Seahawks should consider wearing all the time. They'll be wearing them tonight in Dallas on Thursday Night Football. All right, matchup draft time. Chris,
3: you're up. Okay, all right. Um, We don't have a trivia question? I thought we had a trivia question. Oh okay. It's been Killed crossed me, out. It. All right, here we go. It's been crossed out, it contained profanity. Oh, what are the Oh, uh, the Cowboys are one of the three teams undefeated at home this season. Name the other two. It's easy anyways. It's Dolphins and 49ers. That's stupid. Oh, oh, I was wrong. Darn it. Darn it. Who are they? Oh, Who Dolphins they? and Eagles. Eagles Damn, and it. Dolphins. Damn it. Damn it. Right. What was I thinking? All right, let me All right. get back to this. Um the the I um will start with the 49ers. I mean, the Eagles offensive line versus the 49ers' d line. Is the Eagles' offensive line the best O line in football? You've heard me say it. It's the it's the best O line we've seen in football in a long, long time, as you've heard me say. You know, like we saw last week, the game was seventeen to seven, and Philadelphia just went, "We're going to run the same play four times down the field and get in the five yard line, and then we're going to fake that run, and somebody will be wide open for a touchdown." They do what they want when they want. Except this is a 49ers defensive line that has the same attitude. So that's what I can't wait. I mean. You know, the Eagles' best O-line in football. You know, I think the 49ers' D-line is the best D-line in football. Probably just edging out that Eagles' D-line. I can't wait to see that. It's Clash of the Titans type stuff.
1: We got a little Lions reunion in L.A. this weekend with Browns defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz going against quarterback Matthew Stafford of the Rams. They used to be tied together in Detroit. They went to the playoffs one year. They were... Involved in the Calvin Johnson record nineteen hundred and seventy something receiving yards, Schwartz knows Stafford pretty well. Schwartz gets to deploy whatever he knows and whatever he may glean to try to defend him with a pretty good defense,
3: especially if Miles Garrett plays. So Schwartz versus Stafford, yeah, my first pick. Interesting game there, right? You know, it, it is. It's. It's. Uh, I, I'm really. That's. It's a very intriguing. And the Rams playing good football, but like in that Browns D line run over that Rams O-line, make life hard. You know, that Browns defense is special. We know that Rams defense damn good. It is kind of one of the under-the-radar, I think, very good, could-be-entertaining games of the weekend. Um, I'm going go to go to our game on Sunday night. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I'm, I'm going to do it again just to talk about the Chiefs' DBs versus the Packers' weaponry on offense at wide receiver. Uh, I, I, you know They've opened up the field. And with Watson, Christian Watson being back healthy and, you know, he's one of those guys that's got three rockets up his ass, right? It's a game-changing thing for their offense. Are they going to get up in the face and play man-to-man against this crew? They better be careful because they can make some big plays. I'm excited to see that. I think it dictates who wins the game.
1: Kyler Murray, the Cardinals quarterback against the Steelers defense in Pittsburgh. You refer to Kyler Murray from time to time as the road runner. The Steelers are a lot of Coyotes on defense, <laughs> far
3: more skilled than Wiley. Coyote. I was gonna say, he damn, the road, running running road running gets away, way. so that's not a good. That's not a yeah, good coyote. No, no,
1: no, no. I I think back to 2012 when Robert Griffin got banged up by the Steelers. I mean, they are a physical team, and if you are gonna run as a quarterback, you better get ready because the Steelers are gonna treat you like a running back, not a quarterback. So be careful, Kyler Murray. You're healthy now. You want to stay that way. Be careful in Pittsburgh against that defense. Round three when PFT Live continues right after. All right, one more round for week 13 matchup draft with six teams on bye. So we don't have as much to choose from as usual. Everybody played last week, six teams off this week. Chris, what's your third
3: pick? Yeah, I think I'm going to go to CJ Stroud versus the Broncos pass defense. Broncos pass defense, we talked about it earlier has been holding people in check, right? It doesn't matter who it is. Mahomes in Denver, three interceptions, didn't look good. Josh Allen in Buffalo, it didn't look good. So Denver's found something. C.J. Stroud is as hot as any quarterback in football right now, right? That's going to be interesting to see. Can he carve up this Denver defense the way he's been carving up everybody else?
1: Speaking of C.J. Stroud, the team who's – Coaching staff and scouts unanimously wanted Bryce Young instead. The Carolina Panthers post Frank Reich with Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator. Jim Caldwell acting as special advisor to Thomas Brown. Can they get enough out of Bryce Young to keep David Tepper's head from exploding as the Panthers try to beat the Buccaneers on Sunday?
3: Yeah, that's that's, that's interesting. See if they get a little juice from the new coaching staff here and see what happens there. But... Uh, yeah, they needed some bright spots for Bryce Young to get him going. That's
1: it for now. The Joint Megapix podcast coming later today. Check that out, and we'll see you Friday morning.
3: See ya.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble.